This week on the Sound and Sight Walking Dead podcast, we break down the finale, A, uh, written by Scott M. Gimple and Angela Kang and directed by Michelle McLaren. We'll be right back after this. We're back with the Sound Unsight Walking Dead podcast. This is Kate Kalzik, TV editor of Sound Unsight, and I'm joined as ever by my uh, fearless leader over at Sound Unsight, general editor, general editor, Ricky D. Ricky, uh, how's it going? I'm doing good. I'm in a good mood. I'm ready to talk. <laughs> and joining us this week to break down the finale, and I'm sure we'll talk a bit about the season as a whole, is Randy Dankovich from Process Media and Sound Unsight and many other places. Randy, welcome back. Hey, guys. So at the top of the show... Clearly, no spoilers, nothing from the comic books that hasn't already been on the show, uh, and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about that, because I know there are some lifts in this episode that uh, are, are very memorable scenes in the comics. So we'll, we'll do some compare and contrast, but nothing that hasn't already been on the show, and certainly nothing about next season, because you know, we have no idea what they're actually going to do, though we may speculate uh, away uh, and again once one more time this season randy uh what is your relationship with the comic books because uh, of course i have not read any of them and ricky has read some but for our listeners who don't know what's your relationship with the comics i've read like the first 80 comic books that's about as far as i made it and where does that take us in the show have we gotten to the, have we reached that point yet um no okay i would say no kind mm -hmm. of not really now, uh, this finale, I, I don't know if you have been following the Sound Say Walking Dead podcast, but it's been a contentious past couple of weeks, and it's been, at least for me, highly entertaining. I, I know that starting with The Grove, there's been some controversy around the recent episodes of the series. What did you think of, of the second half of the season in general, and how did this finale tie in with that or maybe contradict some of your, if you weren't enjoying it, did this help with that? Well, I think they're kind of two. They're the last two episodes of the season, and the the six that come before it are kind of two different creatures. I like, I like the way this second half of the season was set up. You know, it's kind of all around. It all ties into this railroad, and we have all our characters split up, and it gives a lot of room for different stories to breathe. And you know, some of those stories, like the one we see in the Grove, are not that entertaining or really even necessary, but. I don't know. I think the finale is with most Walking Dead finales has some interesting things. It has some problematic things. It has some things that just kind of make you shake your head and say, Oh, it's the Walking Dead. That's kind of what you get. I, I think, I don't know. I don't want to give an opinion of all of it at once, but I, I think it's, I think it's the Walking Dead. It's, it's good and it's bad. Business as usual then. Business as usual. Okay, Ricky, what about you? You've, uh, you know, you've been on thin ice. The show's been on thin ice, I should say, for you. What did you think of the finale, and has it reverted, reversed any proclamations of the past couple of weeks? Yeah, I'll read my, uh, my, the opening to my written review. Just when I was ready to break up with The Walking Dead, Michelle McLaren comes along and directs one of the season's best episodes. A is chock full of nail-biting suspense, features some horrific images, and even a cliffhanger that feels like a start of a new journey and possibly a new direction for the series. I love this episode, and I know I've been negative for about, what, two weeks now? But I just want to remind our listeners that I was extremely positive when we reviewed Still, which is my second favorite episode of the second half of Season 4. I think A and Still are possibly my two favorite episodes of Season 4. I'm incredibly happy that i will be positive today extremely positive and i actually like how randy opened up our podcast today in which he says it's the walking dead it's good it's bad and i think everyone should remember that it's the walking dead it's good sometimes it's bad sometimes 
that doesn't necessarily necessarily mean that you have to be upset if either I or Kate or one of our guests dislikes one specific episode. I mean, throughout most of season four, I've been very positive. It just feels like the second half of season four, I haven't been really feeling it. I felt it in still. I loved A, but the majority of these episodes in the second half of the season just haven't really done it for me. But watching this episode reminded me of something I wrote in my review like three years ago when I first reviewed the season one of Walking Dead. And what I wrote is the best episodes of Walking Dead are those that really, truly draw on the iconography and the mood and tone of Westerns. And I'm a big, huge fan of Westerns. And the tone in this specific episode plays heavily. And it's also like really well directed, right? But and I'm not just talking about like the showdown at the end, you know, when we get Rick and Carl Michonne running through to through the sanctuary and we get gunfire from the rooftops, but also during the conflict with Joe and his men. And I think maybe that's why I like this episode so damn much, because most of the episodes of The Walking Dead, I, I would use the word love like I love these episodes. They're episodes that feel like they came out of Westerns. It's like it's like a Western disguised as a horror television series. So. I'm really, really happy. It helps that Michelle McLaren directs the episode. I'm a huge fan of her. She directed some of the best episodes of Breaking Bad, some of the best episodes of Walking Dead. I personally think women should run the show. I think Angela Kang is an amazing writer. She wrote um, this episode. She also wrote the episode Still, which I loved. And I think Michelle McLaren's an amazing director. She's the best director The Walking Dead has. And in terms of like the most interesting characters of this season and the best characters this season, it has to go to Carol, number one. I mean, they, just, they did such a fantastic job with Carol and Michonne. And I even love Beth now. And I'm wondering, like, where is she? Are we going to get more of her? When is she coming back? So, yeah, how about a Walking Dead season with just women? I would be happy. I'm not going to argue with you on that, but I will throw in there that while Angela Kang wrote one of the, the strongest episodes of the season for you, Scott Gimple wrote one of the strongest episodes of the season for me. And so I, while, yes, girl power all the way, we need more female writers and directors and producers and creators in television in a huge, ridiculously big kind of big way. Uh, but let's not also overlook, while we love what they've done with Carol and we love what they've done with Michonne, we've also spent much of this year, specifically this half season, complaining about what they've done with Maggie. So, yes, some of the women are fantastic, but some of them have a lot of work that needs to be done to really get these characters to be more interesting and get them, in Maggie's case, back to where she was you know, a couple seasons ago. Mm-hmm. Would you say a couple or last season? I'm trying to think back now. You know what? I, I, It's been too long since I watched last season. So maybe she was more interesting in the previous season. What I always go to for Maggie is, you know, the, her introduction on the horse, which was so epic. And her uh, fantastic growth and, you know, the development of her relationship with, with Glenn. I, I really enjoyed that. But once she went into Glenn is my everything mode and she's not asking about other, you know, anybody else. She's not, you know, mm-hmm. expressing any interest or in anything else except for Glenn. Then I start to have an issue with it as much as I have defended the character this season. Randy, maybe you have a better memory than Kate and I, but did she not change after she was kidnapped by the governor? And if so, was that the first half of season three or the second half? I'm, I think it was the second half. I don't. I don't remember. These seasons are too long for me yeah. to keep all this stuff together. But I think, I think the kidnapping. I don't think it plays that big of a deal into its into her character. I don't think when it comes to smaller subplots like that, I don't, really don't think The Walking Dead has that kind of you know long term memory when it comes to characters like that. I mean, look at Rick. We get the same storyline with Rick every single season, and the show keeps forgetting that it keeps telling us this story, and then it keeps telling it to us. I can't argue that. And the other thing I'll add is that it, it, the, the kidnapping storyline, while it was very significant for Maggie for a few episodes, it, it should have been a character defining and shaping element of her life. It should have been a very significant traumatizing experience that informs every little decision in who she is moving forward. And it's not. And that's as much as we've really praised this season for its improvement in, in its characterization and its series memory that's a problem. And that's something well, yeah. they need to continue to grow and work on. 
Well, yeah, but correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't it seem like that it had a bigger impact on Glenn and a character change in Glenn and not Maggie? Because it felt like after she was kidnapped by the governor and he tried to like sexually assault her and whatnot, it was all about Glenn and his reactions. And I mean, yeah. again, I'm, I'm, I'm working on my really bad memory. And that's the thing about The Walking Dead is because they split their season in half, you know, we have to wait like several months before watching the second half. I kind of always get confused as to what happened when. But that's how I remember it. But yeah, I think we're all on the same page. I think uh, we're just a little frustrated with both Glenn and Maggie this whole entire season, which is a shame. But um, but yeah, I do think they did a fantastic job with Carol. And I was actually kind of missing her in last night's episode. I guess it's good to know that Tyrese and Carol are headed towards the sanctuary. And they are probably the last hope for Rick and the gang. Like I'm assuming that they will be the... You know, the two people that save the day, unless it's, unless if it's Beth who shows up with the Undertaker and possibly the dog, that would be awesome, too. Undertaker, dog, Beth. Yeah. Well, and let's talk about Beth a little bit here, because I, I have an issue with their decision to not give us any information about Beth, either last week or this week, to make her such a, a an improved and more integral character, not only to the viewers, but to Daryl and to uh, the, really the the world, the, you know, the different relationships on the show, and then tear her away and not go back to her at all. This is now the second season that they've done that because, of course, we saw them do that with, with uh, Andrea as well, to send her off by herself at the end of the season. But at least they showed us her by herself. Okay, but let me ask you a question. Well, they did it with Carol this season. I mean, Carol gets sent off by Rick, and then she's just kind of out of the picture for a while. Because yeah. and the reason they do that is because there's no such thing as a long, complex character arc on The Walking Dead. They're very, they keep things very simple for a reason, because that's what they are good at, is keeping things superficial. But we know where Carol is right now, though. She's on her way to Terminus. We, we've checked in with her. We know what's going on. Beth is a giant question mark, and it's a season finale. But, but okay, but okay, here's three things I want to bring up. First of all, um, I agree with Randy about the show being repetitive, and that's why, like, I kept saying this throughout all of season four, which was one of my biggest criticisms. Like, he brought up the example of Rick's character arc. But also with Carol, like, we've already mentioned it several times in the show, has she just automatically, mysteriously just reappeared at the right time, right behind Mika and Lizzie, right? That's a problem. But then I have to go back to Beth. Okay, who was wearing the poncho? Because I was talking to my friend about this, because when Rick arrives at the sanctuary at the end, he notices all the clues, like the watch and the, the right. It's, you know, it's not Beth. It's not Beth? Was it Maggie? No, he would have no, recognized her. I think it was Sasha. Was it Sasha? I could be wrong, but I think it's See, Sasha. That's, because that's what I was trying to figure out. I'm like, wait a minute. Wasn't it Beth? Like, because she's but not. Sasha's her. with Tyrese and Carol. No, no, no. So Sasha is with Bob Stuckey. Oh no, you're she's right. She's the, with Bob. And... She's in the freight container. No, yeah. because Beth had her cute white shirt that got destroyed. <laughs> really, she was wearing the white shirt when she was uh, chilling out at the uh, funeral home. Yeah, she. I don't know. She wasn't wearing the white shirt anymore. But we saw her wardrobe in that. And there certainly wasn't a poncho there. And I don't remember when she was playing the piano. But I want to say it was like a cute button-down kind of number. But I could be wrong. As well as her, is her green kind of um, spaghetti strap kind of top that she wears a lot. But the reason why I ask is because we do get to see her in a flashback. Like, okay, we get to see Herschel in a flashback and sure, he's dead, but it kind of ties into the watch and it kind of ties the um, into Rick's character arc and it shows the characters where they were at the start of the season, peaceful, farming, and where they are at the end of the season. But they do go out of their way to show Beth to the point where he takes the sheriff's hat and puts it on her head. So I was like, Wait a minute, did I miss something? Was she the one wearing the poncho? Could she be at the sanctuary? No, I think you're reading. I think you're giving the show a little, you're reading a little too far into The Walking Dead. She's just in the flashback because she's in the flashback. It's just a way to remind us that the character's missing right now. There's no, like, I don't think there's any kind of metaphorical illusion that's going on to anything that happens in there. That's not, that's okay. not The Walking Dead's MO. All right, fair enough. I just think this whole. It's another case of repetition with the show. This whole female character goes missing at the end of a half of a season only to reappear at a random episode, a couple episodes in the next half of the season. It's something the show's done now. They did it at the end of season two into season three. They do it at the end of season three into the beginning of season four. They do it in the middle with, they kind of do it in the middle with Michonne when she just kind of appears out of nowhere as well. And they did it this season with, um, with Beth, she'll appear a couple of episodes in season five. Who knows where she'll be? It's just what this show does. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. By the way, uh, Maggie's poncho. 
apparently. It's Maggie's poncho? Okay. Yes. So, okay, but I'm confused, Randy. Did you like this episode? Like, um, you seem like you're lukewarm well, I, on it. Well, I, I like... I, it's not... I, I don't necessarily like what the episode is going for. I like the way that it goes about it. I like the way the episode was put together. I like the way it's staged. You know, I, I like all that. I like the atmosphere that it creates. But I think when you look at the events of the episode and you, and you kind of look at what they're doing with the characters, I don't really think it's blazing any kind of new trail or setting a new standard for the show. I don't really even think it's the show moving in another direction. It's these characters are trapped facing some kind of evil entity they don't understand in a single location again. So I think the show's kind of circling back on itself. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm actually not going to disagree with Randy. I don't think it's the best scripted episode. I do like the way they incorporate the flashbacks. I love the cold open. I like the fact that the flashbacks stretch out throughout the whole entire episode. I like the fact that we get to see Herschel once again. I mean, I'm a big fan of Herschel. Um, you know, it's not necessarily a bad thing that they remind viewers about the watch considering it's the first thing that Rick notices at the end of the episode. Uh, but I really do like the way it's directed. And, that's, and that is why I bring up Michelle McLaren's name over and over again, because she's such a great director that she can take an average screenplay and just dish out like an incredible episode of TV. Like, I really think this is a great episode of The Walking Dead, guys. And um, I love the scene in which Rick, uh, you know, basically gets captured by Joe and his men and, you know, Daryl shows up and Carl's sleeping in the car. And I actually feared for the life and the well-being of those three characters, actually those four characters. Like, I actually think that this is an episode full of nail-biting suspense. Like, I was actually screaming at the TV, and I can't remember the last time I was screaming back at the TV while watching The Walking Dead at all in season four. Like, maybe back in season three, like, specifically when um, when uh, Andrea dies. But, uh, yeah, like, I really think she did such a fantastic job. And it's funny because, Kate, I think it was two or three episodes ago, we were talking about the scene in the comic book in which one of the characters tries to rape Carl. And I said, yeah, you know, The Walking Dead's never going to do it. They're never going to have a scene in which a man tries to rape a little boy. And sure enough, I'm biting my tongue because, like, three weeks later, we get the scene. <laughs> yeah, I I have some issues with the handling of Joe's gang and with a, a couple of different elements of over the course of this episode and, and the, the half half season maybe, or just, you know, I, like the handling of Joe's gang does feel very odd to me. I think they wanted, they knew where they were going with that. They knew they were going to have this set piece in the finale and they wanted to give it greater weight. So that's why we spent the time with the gang, but uh, this couching of it in Daryl's reaction to them felt very odd and just not necessary at all when Daryl's explaining to to Rick about oh I didn't know and I didn't all this stuff it, that that didn't really work for me and I was very confused as to why we had to have this like the show teasing us that maybe Daryl's gonna go over to the dark side when we all know he's not you know so there's some things about that that didn't work and the Let's uh, let, let's make sure that we remind you guys these are uh, a bunch of rapists. So so that's so it's going to be okay when Rick tears out the, his throat in a very visceral and uh, effective and very well uh, executed moment. You know, Joe, that is. Uh, and yes, I believe absolutely that it makes sense that there are these groups of people around. I don't know why, much like, you know, when we spent that episode with Brian and we're, we were very confused as to why are we spending this time with the governor? They're not going to make us think the governor is a good person, regardless of what Brian is doing this week. That's sort of how I feel about the, the episode that we spent, uh, the time we spent with Daryl and Joe's gang. They weren't convincing me that Joe's gang was interesting or nuanced or any different than what they turned out to be in this episode. So while this scene is very effective, and I think that, you know, I, I never really feared for, for Rick's safety. I actually did fear for Michonne's. Um, but, yeah, I, it was an effective moment, but then it just made me curious as to why we had spent any time trying to, you know, have this half-hearted attempt to humanize them previously. Just hold up. This is the guy that killed Lou, so we got nothing to talk about. The thing about nowadays is we got nothing but time. Say your piece, Daryl. These people, you're gonna let them go. These are good people. 
Now, I, I think Lou would disagree with you on that. I'll, of course, have to speak for him and all, because your friend here strangled him in a bathroom. You want blood? I get it. Take it from me, man. Come on. This man killed our friend. You say he's good people. See, now that right there is, is a lie. It's a lie! No! no. Teach him, fellas! Teach him all the way! Isn't this what I said last week? How I said that his henchmen, like not not so much Joe, but specifically his henchmen, were like the worst like characters introduced to The Walking Dead to the point where they were just arguing and claiming things, and this week they're dead. And that's exactly what I said last week. I'm like, they're not going to last the end of the season. And when I said it, I didn't actually believe what I was saying. And sure enough, I was actually right. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, come on, guys. But really, like you did not think that Carl would die or get seriously injured because the whole entire time oh i did i was crying for carl and that made me realize that i actually love carl now at the end of the episode when they ask rick daryl and michonne to step away and carl's left in the center i seriously thought guys he was going to get shot i was like i was watching my nephews and stuff i'm like no don't shoot carl like and i was like that's a good thing for me to actually care about the character and for me to think that they they might actually kill the character that 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 that's progress, certainly. For me, I was more concerned about Michonne because they gave her that not very artfully written monologue, uh, monologuing with Carl in the woods where she's like, let me explain everything I've ever done in a sort of awkward way. That that felt like they were setting her up to die or something, which didn't really make sense with what the show is. But that's why I was more concerned that the show was preparing the audience to kill her off rather rather than Carl. Randy, did you ever fear for any of the characters this week? I mean, I wouldn't fear from McCone's life because she's up there in the pantheon of iconic characters in the show, and I just don't think they would go anywhere with her. And when it comes to Carl, if you get rid of Carl, then why do you have Rick around at this point? He has no other... He, he, I mean, you have Judith, but she's not a character. She's just a baby. <laughs> she's just there. You know, uh, with, without, without Carl, there's no... There's no sense of humanity for Rick to attach himself to it or even attempt to attach himself into in between moments of the plot forcing him to do horrible things to other people. Mm. You know, it's without without Carl, you don't have there's no debate to whether Rick is a human or not anymore, because we've seen what he'll do to protect him. You know what he would do if he lost him. He would just he would that would be it for Rick. Now, uh, does what we see this week and the focus we get on Carl and his darkening and his potential for you know lizzie mark too does that affect ricky for you your reaction to the amount of time we spent with lizzie this season wait sorry my brain just froze because you you said the word lizzie twice what's your question (laughs) well this episode has a very specific uh point of view about carl that when he was at the prison and they were doing the farming thing and they were trying to help nurture him back into uh, a healthier approach to life and to the, you know, to survival, Uh that that was a good thing for him and that they brought him back from a potential precipice. This episode, in this episode, we see him staring very intently at his father as he stabs the crap out of Joe and, uh, and, and I believe an ad called him deserved it, Dan, which I thought was pretty hilarious. Um, do you think that we are going to see a darkening of Carl and more of this potential for a psychotic Carl? And if so, does the time that we spent with Lizzie examining what she became in this post, uh, apocalypse, does that become more worthwhile because it's a, it's a precursor or a warning for Carl? No, uh, all the time we spent with Lizzie was useless. Sorry, Kate. Um, That's fine. (laughs) Regarding Carl, I mean, we've already had hints that he was, you know, heading towards a dark side, like there's a dark side to Carl. I don't think it's ever completely gone away. Like, I think, like, the opening shot of the second half of season four, we just have Carl staring blankly after he's walking away from the prison set up in flames and zombies invading and the area and the baby Judith disappearing, and I think the baby's dead. I mean, 
I guess the difference between Carl now and before is that Carl knows that he's sort of like not a bad person, but he's kind of like a badass and he's not the good son that, that maybe a parent would like their kid to be. But he's still very human. I mean, we get to see a human side to Carl and we see we see this side specifically in the alone time that he has with Michonne. I, that, that is why I like watching Michonne and Carl interact. I think it's just uh, much welcomed and I think it's a breath of fresh air and it, it seems naturalistic and realistic. And uh, I like watching those two characters interact, even if it's just, you know, arguing over like a chocolate bar and or playing games or whatever it is. But Carl feels like a real person, even if he's not necessarily the best actor, Chandler Riggs. Whereas I felt Lizzie was introduced into the show as psychotic specifically to design this, you know, storyline in which we have to get to the Grove, which I'm not going to get. I'm not going to repeat my feelings on the Grove again, but um, I really do like the the character of Carl. I don't think we're ever going to get a, a Carl that's just purely psychotic. Like I don't think they're ever going to simplify it. I think they've already let I, I think they've already done a good job in developing this character. They can do a better job. Sure. But um, I mean, I, I think Carl to me seems like a normal person that is reacting to the zombie apocalypse at a young age in a realistic way. I didn't get that same reaction from Lizzie. To me, Lizzie was just a distracting pit stop in season four of The Walking Dead, which didn't work for me. So I really like Carl. And I, 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 I'm telling you guys, I was really fearing for his life in this episode. Um, but Randy's right. Like Without Carl... Rick would be even less interesting. And the thing I wrote in my review this week is that, you know, going back four seasons now on the podcast, there is there have been times in which I have outright stated, like I've been very vocal about how I think Rick is like a boring character to be front and center, the lead of a successful show like The Walking Dead. There have been times where I've actually liked Rick Grimes. But personally, I prefer the Rick Grimes that's a badass. And this whole repetition of I'm a badass, I, I'm the leader, now I'm not the leader, now I have to decide if I want to take the lead, now, you know, like... I, it's now just you not, don't fuck with me, now yeah, you can't fuck with me, now you can't fuck with me again. And, that, and that's that's the thing about season four, it's like, it's, like, my criticisms, I think, are valid, because I'm not the only person that has this, these same feelings and thoughts and criticisms, like, it is repetitive, we've seen a lot of these character beats and ideas and kills and whatnot repeated from the past, and... Uh, the character arc of Rick is a prime example, but that's why in my review, when I said like possibly it's going to take the show in a new direction, it's like a new journey because I really do feel, and maybe I'm wrong, but I really do feel that Scott M. Gimple came in. He was trying to like eliminate problems from previous seasons and previous showrunners and writing out characters that we didn't need and or like, and just trying to have a fresh start. And it, maybe it took a whole entire season to have a fresh start, but now, you know, I don't know if I'm going to like what's going to happen at the Terminus. Honestly, I don't think I will. But I do think they have a fresh start. Like, they have sort of like a, a new do, group. Do you, though? I do to some degree. I mean, the group is reunited. There's some new members. I do like the new the new members. Um, it, it depends. Like, if Rick is going to go back and forth with his character arc, maybe not. But I really think that this is it. This is a straw that broke the camel's back. Someone tried to rape his son. And he's never going back to Mr. Nice Guy. And I think that's why we got the flashbacks with him and Herschel. I think now that Herschel's out of the picture, Rick is going to be the leader. And he's going to take charge. And I don't know. Maybe I'm just hoping for the best. But, like, I was ready to write off the show and break up with the show last week. And this specific episode has me wanting to come back next year and do the podcast. Here's what I think is different in where we are at the end of the season versus any other part of the show's history to this point. And I, I would uh, agree with some of what you said, Ricky, but disagree with another part of it. I don't feel like this is back to Rick is badass leader mode and that he is now just going to be straight up badass and, and cold and heartless and the hard weapon that this experience, you know, of the, this entire time, but specifically, you know, the, the gang trying to, to assault his son has crafted him into, I, this feels like the show has a different approach when, when we get to that last line, it doesn't feel like there is a question. It doesn't feel like this is something that we're going to see stretch out over several weeks in the fall. This feels like the show saying, 
this is the group they are going to take face off against these terminus people and it doesn't matter that they are stuck in a in a train car that they have no way to get out of and that they are outnumbered and that they do not have weapons and 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 the, the terminus people don't know who they're fucking with and now they're mad and so they're going to resolve the situation decisively and quickly and then move on and that's part of why this feels different. This doesn't feel like the farm. This doesn't feel like the prison. This doesn't feel like the governor because there's a surety to the success of, of Rick and the gang in that last moment that I really appreciate and that I think has the potential to set up for a far more interesting season five. So wait, so let me just get this straight. So do you, do you agree with everything I'm saying except for the fact that Rick's character won't change and just be dark and taking charge? Well, I think they've done the whole Rick is dark and taking charge thing before. He's the dictatorish leader mm -hmm. of the group. That's not what I'm expecting. I'm expecting him to step up and help in the st strategy of how they're going to get out of there. But I don't expect to see a return of there's no more democracy or anything like that because that's not interesting and that just leads to cycling and. I don't see him being the the leader of the group in the same way. I don't think the show's going to go back to single focus on Rick like it has in the past. I think he's going to maintain this ensemble feel. Yeah, well, I mean, regardless if he's dark, he's still going to take charge. Like, I really do think he's just going to be the leader and no one's going to question it. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Um, but yeah, but regard, regarding that last line, though, Kate, I mean, you haven't read the book or even Randy, like either or. Um, did the last line bug you guys? Because a lot of people were arguing and saying it was cheesy. And the thing about the last line is it's, it's almost word from word lifted from the comic book. They needed to pull the line from the book. You pull that line. You pull the line exactly as it is in the comic book. Even if you bleep it out, it's it just feels so much more powerful. The way he's saying it, the way the lines delivered on the show, it, it does feel a little goofy. Because uh, it feels like it's trying to capture something, but it doesn't want to go all the way to capture so it. So you're saying they should have said fuck it and not screwing. Yes, yes, they should have. I didn't miss it because I didn't know that was the original line. And then I saw the, the image from the comic that had been posted up on Facebook and was like, oh, yeah, that that would have been better, especially because this is a show where they don't swear. And Rick is a character who doesn't swear. The, the power been huge. of him using that word would have been significant. I, I totally agree. And like that's what I was trying to write in my reviews, that that's the problem with uh, – well, there's two problems here. The problem is when you lift – uh, word from word from a comic book, and like these words are crammed into a small bubble. Like the dialogue is not necessarily as interesting as it can be when you write a teleplay or a screenplay. And so that is like, for example, I always bring up this example. One of my basic criticisms of the Watchmen movie, even though I like it, is that a lot of that dialogue just doesn't translate well to the big screen. Like it works in a comic book, it doesn't work in a movie and or a TV show. And that's what I was trying to figure out. Like I, I agree with you guys. Actually, thinking back on it now. You guys are right. If he had used the F word, it would have had power. But because it didn't, they didn't use the F word, it kind of felt out of place and or silly. But yeah, like, no, I'm going to totally agree with you guys. Yeah, but it's one of those things where they have to take specific iconic moments from a comic book because I, A, I think Robert Kirkman wants it because it's his comic book. And B, I think the fans expect it. And um, they, yeah, it's like if you're going to do it, go all the way or don't do it at all. I'm curious if you guys have that same sense of the last moments that I do, where this feels, this doesn't feel like a moment of suspense to me. This feels like a moment of triumph. And it doesn't matter that they're stuck defenseless in this cart. It feels like a foregone conclusion. They are going to succeed. And then what's next? Is is that just me? How, Randy, how did you well, react I think to the, that moment? Like the track is, you know, literally speaking, the track is laid. They've been laying that track for the last eight episodes. You know, they don't bring every single character from the group to Terminus. They give us gratuitous shots of Rick burying weapons out in the woods. So they're there for later. We also get gratuitous shots of them dropping their weapons on the ground. Like Daryl's bow, which is something we know his character doesn't use. Cause that is iconic to his character. We know he's going to get that back. Even if the show wants to, try and fool us we we know that's going to happen but we know they're not going to you know sit in a railroad car for an entire season like there's an immediacy to everything that's happening at, in those last few moments like okay we're going to leave you here but this is the spot we're coming back to and this is where the story is going to play out from there's a shelf life of the story because of the way they've set it up so they have to get out of here in a fairly quick amount of time i'd imagine 
Well, you know, Kate, I was listening to your Hannibal podcast that you do with Sean Coletti, and you guys were talking about a recent episode of Hannibal, which sort of ended in a cliffhanger. And Sean was like, well, it's not necessarily what I would define as a cliffhanger. And he asked you what you would define as a cliffhanger. And so I'm going to ask you the exact same question. Is this a cliffhanger for season four? To me, I can see how it would be a cliffhanger for people. And technically, sure, how are they going to get out of this one? But for me to consider it a cliffhanger there has to be suspense as to will they get out of it. And there's no suspense. They're going to get out of it. And maybe they'll kill off a character. Maybe they'll kill Rosita. Maybe they'll kill Bob. But I really don't think, you know, that's not the sense that I get. And because of the the tone of it, there's not a uh, a quickened pulse and a sharp intake of breath and what's going to happen next. We we all know what's going to happen next. Rick and the gang are going to kick some ass. And so that doesn't feel like a cliffhanger to me. You know, it's funny because Randy, right before we started recording, he was telling me that The Walking Dead, or at least AMC, announced the casting for next year, like the, the characters that will come back for a full season, of which well, I was... they announced all of them. They just announced that Tara, Rosita, and Gareth, they're at, those actors are moving to be main cast. Right. That's all they said. They didn't really say Did, anything else about anybody Abraham? else. No. Uh, no, who's, Gareth. Who's, who is that? Gareth that's is the, the guy who um, – that's the one guy from the prison that um, – from Terminus that Rick doesn't shoot in the head. He's like – The one who forces them and eventually talks them into the train guard. Yeah. Oh, God. That is so exhausting. Yeah. That's yeah. the one thing that holds me back from saying that, yes, they're going to get out of the storyline quickly. That's the thing that bugs me because this character's there and he's going to be part of the cast. Yeah. Which which worries me because I don't want a full season of The Walking Dead in which they are stuck in and around one location like the Terminus, like that, or the farm, or the farm, yeah. (laughs) But that's the thing. Like the Terminus to me is no different than a farm. Like at least the prison was a prison, and eventually we got a tank. (laughs) But I mean, and but I mean, the one thing that they did announce is that. I mean, from what I've said, so from what I read in the press release is that it just kind of vaguely sounds like they are not they're going to be moving the storyline forward. I mean, if they're keeping Rosita on and Tara on, I'm guessing that something's going to happen where they leave this place quickly or else why keep any of those characters around? Well, you know, the only two characters that, that I think are going to die soon out of the main cast is Maggie and Glenn, one of one of those two characters, because in the last episode, the penult- penultimate episode of season four, there is the sequence in a tunnel in which they reunite and she burns the only picture of her. And so she leaves Glenn without a picture of Maggie. And I was like, hmm, that's some serious foreshadowing. Is she going to die next? And did you like the fact that they didn't kill any of the main cast in season four? We didn't need it. Exactly. Well, you mean in the back half of season four? Well, yeah, yes. back half. Yeah, because usually when it comes to the season finale, it's, there's always a main character who dies. And this year, we didn't get a main character who died, which is probably why I thought... Well, Carl- they're saving it for the beginning of next season with whatever happens in Terminus. I'm sure somebody significant will die there. That's just how these things work. You go to a place, significant character dies. Oh, man, that's shitty. Let's move on to another place. You go to a place, you get eaten. Okay, whatever. Let's move on. Next day. Was it New Year's Eve, by the way? <laughs> was he just saying it was New Year's Eve? I mean, there actually... was one scene where, you know, Rick and them are, are surveying the outside of the, the prison wall. I mean, the Terminus, I keep getting this confused with the prison. This speaks to the re- repetition on the show. Um, where you can see Rick's breath, which suggests that it's in the, it could be in the middle of winter. But then again... It doesn't feel anywhere near cold enough. Uh-huh. I I don't the timeline of the show makes no sense. I just I have given up on the timeline of the show. These people aren't keeping track of time. Neither am I at this point. Yeah, yeah. yeah ever since freaking Herschel gave his watch to Glenn, who cares about time, right? <laughs> yeah, and Glenn doesn't even give a shit about that watch. Apparently, um, I really did like the editing sequence in the scene in which Rick slowly realizes that one character has the riot gear, one character has the gold watch. Like I love the way that specific sequence was cut. I, I thought the editing in this show and this specific episode was great. And it's funny because when I was watching the last scene in which, um, you know, the uh, the guards at, uh, at Terminus draw their guns and they start firing at Rick, Michonne, and Carl, and I was like, really, guys? They're not going to hit them? Like, seriously? 
And then I realized they were purposely missing, <laughs> like oh, missing yeah. the targets. Like at first I was like, come on, I was rolling my eyes. And then I realized, no, they're clearly leading them into a trap, which goes back to the scene in which Carl, no, sorry, in which Rick teaches Carl and Michonne how to properly build like a snare trap, like a, a trap to, uh, to catch rabbits. And so then it all made sense. But for like about 30 seconds, I was like, really, guys? And then it, it all made sense. And then I liked it. I liked it. Well, and that's the thing I did actually really enjoy about that sequence. I love how quickly and how dialogue free the realization of, uh, you know, the, 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 the watch and the backpack and the poncho. I like how quickly that happens and how decisively Rick responds. It may not have succeeded, but I like that they don't waste time with, you know, a character making a particularly foolish, like, oh, look, there's there's a name etched on the back of this watch. It says Herschel. Yeah. My name's yeah. totally... <laughs> I like that it just, you know, that they let One Rick of the only examples together. of the show not doing something like that. Those feral pigs in the forest, it doesn't take much to domesticate them. Same with the horses we've seen. We have seeds. We can grow our own food. It's time we started planting. Okay. Can't do it myself. I gotta go out there. Go on runs, get the fences. I teach you how to do this. You teach Carl. We're going to be here a while. Well, they need me. We've been here two months. You've made it work. The war's over, Rick. Oh, we don't know that. I'm talking about you. I'm saying it, and I'm saying this. You pull Carl back from going out there, fine. He shot that boy. Yeah, I know. He needs his father. He needs his father to show him the way. What way are you going to show him? He can shoot. We know that. What's his life going to be? What's yours? The only the only thing about the snare trap is the snare trap technically strangles the animal, right? Like it's sort of like a a noose. Where in this case they just get trapped inside a, a, a like a freight car. Couldn't they found the? Well, there's still plenty of time for somebody to get strangled. <laughs> you think someone's going to get strangled? They've got a whole another season. I don't, I'm not saying somebody's going to get strangled. I think I think the metaphor has served its purpose at this point. You know. It, there, they were all being corralled into one very dangerous area. Why the letter A? I was going to ask about that. Other than the obvious, the titling this season has been—it's been fine, but it's been a little clever, for clever sake, as far as I was concerned. So the us and then A with USA was yeah. a big thing that immediately occurred to me. I was trying to think of what A could mean. And well, A's a, it's a signifier of something individual, and I mean this. This episode is very focused on Rick's individual, you know, his psyche and the state of his morality. I mean, I don't. That's one thing I've been trying to figure out is what the hell the, the title of that means. And we have the, of course, the we that we see in the terminus. You know, basically the room of candles where they write down the name of everybody that they eat. Nobody. Yeah, and, and the we Never is first. Wait, did you say eat? Yeah, they're totally eating. They kill them and they eat them. That's, we see a, a big cannibals. pile of bones with no meat on them. Well, we yeah. see a zombie with no with just flaps of skin and a head. I mean, come on. Okay, we do get the camera shot that dollies along while Rick and Michonne and Carl are running. There's clearly corpses that have been, like, not just rotting, but have been eaten. But you think so. So you so clearly we're going to agree now that they are eating yeah. these people. So it's Definitely. some kind of crazy cult. Where'd they get all those all that meat from that they're serving? They got no farm on there. There's plants, but there's no animals anywhere. You don't hear any animals on that see any animals on that farm. There's no livestock to eat. They have a room of candles with a name by each candle. That's gonna be they for each person that they eat, they light a candle. That's that's the only thing and the wax has been collecting there for a long time and, and adding a ritual element to that makes sense and it's like we first meaning our group first and you know that all makes sense I thought the design of that room was actually really nicely done and I was 
in the in the version of the show where they get out of terminus quickly, I appreciated that they didn't feel the need to expound on that. If we get that next season, that'll be a little disappointing. Uh, but yeah, so the whole we versus last week us and then uh as opposed to just the letter A, that does make more sense with this title. No, and we talked about this last week. Like we all figured that it was going to be like a cannibal, like one cannibal, like Crazy Mary, like Hannibal's, I don't know, great aunt, like eating people. But I don't know, the idea of like a bunch of people who look like well-educated university students that came out of Yale or Harvard eating people, it doesn't make any sense. Like if they were... Firing. People go crazy, yo. Yeah, but if they were shooting at Rick and Michonne and Carl, what difference would it make if they killed them? If they're going to well, eat notice, them? That's you one of the things I was trying to meat. figure out. If they, if they were, yeah, exactly. If they were really trying to shoot them or if they were trying to corral them into the snare trap, you know? Yeah, no. Is that, that's what I think the whole idea was there. They weren't trying to shoot them. It's but, like you said, that's ruined meat. But that's stupid. That's just a way to work in your metaphor with the snare trap. Because, no, 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 it's they, not. They, that's the they, whole point of having a metaphor. They could have easily just shot them in the leg. Because they they don't, no, but then you're ruining a leg. Then, and also, yeah, they have a bunch of meat. meat already. Yeah, they don't need more meat right now. They need, they're going to slaughter them as they need more meat. And you don't, you know, shoot a pig in the leg so it doesn't get escape from your trap. That's, no. I was completely fine with that. And as you can see, they've been feeding them. There's the, the powdered milk or whatever. So they, you they're going to hear them yelling. Yeah. They're they're And there's, you know, other train cars full of people that aren't our group. So, I mean, this is not, this, this is a continuing operation. Yeah. Plus if you shoot one of them in the leg, what happens when the leg gets infected? You're not eating that. You guys are scaring me, man. Are you guys cannibals? Like how do you, <laughs> you guys put a it lot. It just makes sense. You know, thoughtful cannibals. <laughs> I We're sensible. I mean, I, I don't know. I never. I don't think I've ever seen a zombie movie that featured cannibals. I've seen a zombie movie in which a zombie fought a shark underwater. I've seen all kinds of crazy zombie movies, but a zombie movie, and in this case, a zombie TV show with cannibals. I guess those zombies are technically cannibals. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this new storyline. No, it just needs vampires. <laughs> I don't it makes sense to me. It's I don't have I don't have any problem with it, I guess. Uh and just being an avenue that they're going to explore and when we've seen we saw we've seen the deer and we had the pigs and that's kind of it for game, you know, larger than a rabbit on this show. So, I don't have any trouble believing that a group would determine all is fair, you know, in the post-apocalypse. Has anybody read Ricky, have you read this, any of this arc or this material that's in the comic book? Just out of curiosity. Okay, you know, I was talking to my nephew about this yesterday. And I was looking through my Walking Dead comic books and I'm missing like a, a volume. Like, you know what I mean? Like I had like the, um, mm -hmm. they're not the hardcover volumes, but they're like the softcover volumes. Yeah. So I'm missing one volume. And the thing is, I'm all confused now because I've read these books like throughout the years and I, you know, I read the sequence in which Carl, like, is almost raped. And, you know, we talked about this even, like, two weeks ago. And I even posted the image uh, that Kate referred to, um, like, of the last shot in this specific episode where Rick says they're fucking with the wrong people. But I don't know. Like, I can't remember any storyline about cannibals. But then my nephew was saying, because I was also um, trying out the video game for The Walking Dead, and I never played the whole video game, but I've, I've tried it out because my, uh, my nephew has it. And my nephew was telling me that in the video game, there is a cannibal. Yeah, there's a reference to – yeah, this is – there's a reference to that in the video game, which takes place in the same universe as a television show. So, so are they mixing the story uh, for the video game? They're the mixing book? a number of things in because the way that they did the cannibal arc in the comic book, they can't really do it the same way. On, I mean, they could, but they would have to. They'd have to do some wrangling to do it in a similar fashion the way they did it in the comic book, just because of the way they've done things on the show in the last few seasons and what characters they have around and stuff. But right. it's definitely in the comic book. It's it's it, just like on the show. It's somewhere briefly after the prison phase. Huh. All right. Well, then I guess it's cannibals. No big uh, whoop there. I don't think yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not a real, you know, given the clues that they gave us, it's not really a spoiler anyway. Yeah. Well, I um, mean, and we don't know theoretically, but we're, it just makes sense 
from what mm. we've seen. Now, do we have other elements of this episode we want to talk about? I We've talked a lot about uh, Michelle McLaren. We've given her a lot of praise. I wanted to specifically uh, praise the direction of the, yeah, yes, the whole funneling into the cart. But for me, the, the, the action I really appreciated was the the shot choices for the opening when we're just on part of of uh, Rick's face and then what, how that ties in with the fight of the group. I, I mean, especially, I mean, I got to say it again, that night, that um, neck biting, it was, it was fantastically executed. Did you guys have any Rick, favorite shots? Rick zombie moment. That's yeah. I like that. I thought that was a very, I mean, again, it's a very simple arc for the character, but it's a very effective image to close it on. You know, you've create Rick has become the walking dead at this point, you know, fully he's ripping out flesh from other humans necks and seemingly enjoying it. Well, and the other thing I got to say there, there is, I mean, Daryl says anyone would have done that. And Rick says, no, they wouldn't have. No, I, they wouldn't have. I really think they would. No. I am not. I don't, know, I'm not, I don't g- know if I would. No, 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 no. Even given the situation, I don't know if I could look at someone's neck and say, I'm going to bite that. In yeah. The That's pretty, pretty insane. I'm going to bite that to kill the person so they don't kill my kid? We've seen plenty of, uh, of situations in which characters have. Uh, been in a similar situation, but I, I can't imagine anyone else in The Walking Dead biting someone's jugular. That's like, some dark, to, dark shit. Maybe to Tyrese. save their kids, their child's life. Yeah, I don't think there's any characters in The Walking Dead. I'm talking about the characters in Walking Dead that would do the exact same thing. Maybe Tyrese, but that's about it. I can't imagine. Well, Tyrese doesn't even have any kids. I'm just saying, if he was in that, let's say he was trying to save Judith. Uh, like maybe I'm, I could. I'm see saying that. like in life. Okay, but we're talking about The Walking Dead here. Like, it looks like, I know. But I'm but saying still. the characters in The Walking Dead. Like, even in life, you're talking about, like, what, 1.5% of the population, maybe? I mean, when people are desperate, they do desperate things. When, you know, your child's life is, you know, threatened, like, if someone's going to rape or kill your child, that, yeah, you might do something crazy. But, I mean, I would go so far as to say everybody would. That's a stretch. Um, but anyways, I do like that, that sequence, but the thing about that sequence is it wasn't just the fact that he ripped into his neck. It's also like the look on his face, the fact that he repeatedly kept stabbing and stabbing, just shipped the guy for five minutes, stabbing the man. (laughs) That was sick. Like, that's one thing that like, I mean, I can watch a lot of horror movies, but one thing that really gets my skin crawling, like one thing that really, really bugs me. It irritates me and makes me feel uncomfortable. It's the penetration of a blade. And we don't even get to see the penetration of the blade, but we get to hear it and we get to see Carl's reaction. And that was just horrifying. Great audio work. And that's <laughs> a rare example of, of great audio on The Walking Dead. Yeah. Like I said, I prefer badass Rick. But it's, uh, it's uh, not. Well, at least when Rick's being extremely violent and dark to protect his family, he's being consistent. Yes. Yes. Uh, I want to I want to hear from our listeners and see what they think about that because I was watching this with my sister and we both were like, well, of course, of course, that's what you would do. Well, of so course, that's interesting. Course, according to you and Randy, you guys are cannibals. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not looking at anybody's arteries, though. <laughs> Pre-apocalypse. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm curious if I'm the outlier or if you know, or if there's a gender divide or if there's just a crazy Americans divide. I guess, no, of course, Randy, you're not Canadian. So I don't know. Uh, I, I'm, that's very interesting to me. So let, let, let me know at the televerse on Twitter. <laughs> the difference between Americans and Canadians. <laughs> well, do what, what are the other, uh, moments in this episode that you guys would like to highlight or, or this half season or this entire season? What are the moments that stick in your mind, positive and negative? I still can't believe they brought the governor back for half <laughs> the just... season. I still can't believe they did. They really made us sit through another eight episodes of worrying about the governor. I was just going to say the same thing. I still 24 episodes that arc lasted. <laughs> 24 episodes of the governor. Oh, my God. I, I'm i seriously, I was just going to say the same thing. Why in the world would you bring back the governor? <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, the governor, negative. Uh, Lizzie and dead rats, big <laughs> negative. Lizzie, in general, negative. Children on The Walking Dead, negative. Just a negative for the most yeah. part. Carl, I'm accepting Carl as a human being at this point, but he's about it. Yeah, I also I also like how they have the flashback 
and they show poor Patrick playing with Lego, and then they they pan to Carl loading the gun. I'm like, oh my god, this poor kid, <laughs> this poor kid, Patrick, not just as a character, but the actor playing Patrick. Oh my god. Um, yeah, positives though. Carol, Carol's badass this season. Herschel, definitely still miss Herschel. Like I'm, I was glad we got him back in the uh, flashbacks. Uh, Beth, they did a good job, especially in the second half of season four, building her character. I really like her scenes with Daryl. Daryl's still good, thank God. He's still a great character. Michonne's great. Carl's fantastic. Rick Grimes, I like him. I hate him. I like him. I hate him. I don't know. Um, maybe <laughs> I would. I would point to the memory sequence that we got from Michonne in the mid-season premiere. All of the uh, fever sort of like flashback dream sequence. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty cool. But that's that that is a uh, a prime example of the Walking Dead experimenting. Like they need to experiment some more. And to be fair to Scott and Gimple, despite the fact that I've been somewhat negative the second half of season four, they in some ways have been experimenting. Like I think the Lizzie Mika episode was in cool. some some ways they're experimenting with framing devices. I think they're telling the same stories. They're they're experimenting in the ways in which they go about telling them, which is yeah. at least made this back half of the season a lot more fun to watch. Well, they are still experimenting regardless. Um, but yeah, and like again, like I didn't like the episode Grove, but I do. Oh God, I hate it so much. I know, right? But I do appreciate the. <laughs> I hate it so much. See, I'm not alone, but I do appreciate the fact that we do get an episode like Grove because it's episodes like that that I think we need a to make our podcast more interesting. And B, it's like it's a good thing. Like it's a good thing if you're getting a strong reaction from uh, from viewers and on like both sides of the spectrum, like two extremes. It's it's just like an episode like the uh, Patrick Wilson episode on Girls, you know. And, you know, even if you think it's a bad episode, just like I think Grove is a bad episode, um, I still kind of like the fact that it exists because it causes so much debate. I guess if you're going to rip from uh, directly from American literature, rip from the best. Oh, God. Don't remind me. Every time I think of Lizzie, see Lizzie's face or hear her name, my head just starts shaking. This show is driving me crazy. I saw on my Twitter. You know what I see now? Whenever I think of Lizzie, I see John Malkovich (laughs) talking about rabbits. That's what I see now. That's all I can think of whenever I think of that episode. Don't look at the flowers, Randy. Don't look at the flowers. Tell me about the rabbits, George. (laughs) Seriously. Well, then, on that note, do we have any final thoughts on the season? Any final hopes for next year? Or do we feel like we, uh, we all know where we're at? Um, you know, going back to the Western one last time, like I do love the fact that we have a gunslinger, an archer, and a samurai. Because you think of like classic like samurai films, like Kurosawa films, which you know have later on like been been remade as Western, starring Clint Eastwood, and of course there's the gunslinger, and just even like the archer. Like I like the trio of Rick Grimes, Michonne, and Daryl. I just wish to God they can come up with a nickname for Carl. Or like, you know what I mean? Like poor Carl. It's like archer, ringleader, samurai, step to the side. Kid, kid with emo hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Poor Carl. Randy, how about you? Oh, I mean, it's the fourth season was definitely, it's, it's the show, The Walking Dead, such a frustrating show to watch because it continues to improve. You know, the last two seasons have improved on so many things, particularly the last yeah, I'd say the last 18 and 20 episodes, but at the same time, it continues to do the same things wrong and it continues to do so many new things in such goofy, weird fashions. That it's, you know, being the most popular dramatic show on television, it makes it for a fast and it makes it to be a fascinating watch always. And that I can appreciate. And we got, we got some interesting characters this season. Like we said, we finally got some good female characters on the show. You know, we're still struggling to find good black characters on the show, but you know, one, you know, one minority at a time, I suppose. You have Tyrese. If you, he's half a character. I like Tyrese a lot. I, I still have. He's a, a, he's a nice presence to see because you see Chad Coleman, and then you think of, oh, hey, look, there's Cuddy out there surviving in the world. You know, the boxing gym didn't work out, but he's got a hammer in his hand. It's not like, oh, he's such a deep character i'm so invested in his emotions and stuff you know it's it's tyrese he's gonna do some cool shit with a hammer and he's got your back you know uh, what else you, what else can you really expect from his character i don't know i really i feel like they haven't spent a lot of time trying to build him 
I think they, I think they did. I yeah. think with uh, uh, with Karen and uh, with his fear and then ex- processing and then acceptance of violence in this world and that his reaction while they were at the prison, I thought that all worked really well. So yeah. I, you but know, the guy I, was running around with a hammer while he was dealing with the after effects of seeing violence. Like the guy's bashing in skulls of zombies over and over and over again. It doesn't doesn't help with him to deal that at all. And I guess there's some weight to human on human violence. Uh, I don't know. I really, I don't know. This is the walking dead to me. I really like Tyrese. I like his character. I think right now, my three favorite characters on this series, it's going to be tough. I'm going to actually name out four. Um, I actually think I'm going to put Carl to top of the list. I think people are going to think I'm crazy, but I don't know. I really like Carl. Like I think, um, again, not the best actor in the world, but I just love what they've been doing with this character and Michonne. And I would put third place Carol this season, even though she was connected to those, you know, two rat girls. And um, fourth place would be uh, Tyrese. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I, I, anyone who's been listening for a while will know that I have uh, considered, I consider this the strongest season of the show so far despite the incredibly stupid decision to bring back the governor uh and and it's this is the show i am way more interested in watching than what the show was in season one two or three and so i look forward to what the show will become in season five barring an extended stay at terminus i look forward to what the show will become in season five and seeing you know what comes next? It's I, I honestly I probably despite this this uptick in quality or uptick in things that I'm interested I guess uh, elements of a show I'm interested I probably still wouldn't be watching the show if it we didn't have a podcast about it because there's so many uh, shows that I am more invested in on TV right now. So there's so many fantastic shows, uh, but this has won my week in you know the best. Uh, genre show for me in a given week a few times this year uh, before Hannibal started and and uh, and that's saying something for a show that I used to dread watching each week you know I'm still excited for the spinoff show and I think correct me if I'm wrong since I now <laughs> so, well look since I've now announced that I will be back next year to record a Walking Dead podcast and Kate probably either hates me or likes me right now because <laughs> that means a lot <laughs> um, I, I, like I think the spinoff show is going to air when Walking Dead is off air right so does this mean that we're going to be recording podcasts of The Walking Dead all year long? I am not committing to that. <laughs> on air right now. Maybe we will see. We might have to split the show. Like maybe I'll move to the spinoff show and you get a new host for Walking Dead. Um, I don't know how this is going to work. Um, but yeah, I, I can't say it's my favorite season. Um, I don't know. I think you're right, Kate. They've done a lot of things better, but I think overall I was just either frustrated or bored for the majority of the season, uh, at least the second half of the season. I don't know. I mean, it still was great. This episode A was great. But for me, the governor, Lizzie, and Mika really just killed it, and uh, I prefer season three um, and season two. I don't know about season one, though. Okay, maybe season one's the worst season, but to be fair, I only I think season two. one's better than season two. Yeah, but season one only season two is such episodes. a goddamn drag. Oh, let's spend 20 minutes looking down a hole at a zombie that's in our water supply. <laughs> ah, uh, I like season two, but yeah, I don't know. Adam, Shane shaving his head. You know Cliffhanger. What? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to repeat what Randy says. It's <laughs> The Walking Dead. <laughs> it's The Walking Dead. All the seasons are people. On that note, uh, Randy, thank you so much for coming on to talk with us about this episode. Where can our listeners find your work online? All over the place. Process media, sound on site, TV Overmind, Geeks Unleashed. I'm running all over the place. <laughs> and uh, Ricky, how about you? On Twitter at Sound on Site, do listen to our Sorted Cinema podcast. It's our movie podcast, and we review like all kinds of like horror films, genre films, cult films. You can find it at soundonsite.org. And I review a lot of genre TV shows on the site, like Hannibal, uh, Game of Thrones, Walking Dead, Bates Motel, uh, and whatever. I think we're doing Fargo. Yeah. <laughs> well, and uh, speaking of Hannibal and Game of Thrones, of course, we'll be starting up our Game of Thrones podcast next week. Ricky and I will be back for that. And I'm also currently doing a Hannibal podcast with my co-host Sean Coletti every week that you can find. You can find both of those up at Sound on Site, as well as our weekly TV podcast that, that, that I co-host with Simon Howell that goes out on Tuesdays covering everything else on TV. Uh, and then, of course, I also have reviews up each week. 
uh, covering different shows. Looking forward to Orphan Black starting up. I got to say, that's the next show that I'm adding to the weekly review rotation, and I it can't get here soon enough. Yeah, and you know, if you uh, if you've made it this far in our Walking Dead podcast, it means you must like our show. Um, you have to listen to our Game of Thrones podcast. It's so much better than Walking Dead. I mean, the show's better than Walking Dead, but our podcast is better than a Walking Dead podcast, I think. I, I just think there's a lot more to talk about. And <laughs> it's easier to find guests for Game of Thrones. Everybody wants to come on our show. Walking Dead has been tough this year. A lot of people have dropped out. They've broken up with the show. And they, they just don't have interest in talking about it. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited for Game of Thrones. Uh, and hopefully next year, Season 5, Walking Dead will be a lot better. We'll see. Um, and thank you again, Randy, for coming on, uh, even just to talk Walking Dead. We'll have to get you to come on to talk Game of Thrones with us at some point this season. Uh, but thank you again, and thank you, everyone, for listening this week and all season. We'll be back next season with another season of the Walking D- Sound On Sight Walking Dead podcast. <laughs>